Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. I'm here today with Pennsylvania County Commonwealth Attorney Brian Haskins. Brian, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So I guess to start, if you just kind of want to tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are now as, as Pennsylvania County's Commonwealth Attorney. Sure. I was born and raised in Danville. was a graduate of GW High School where my dad was my principal, by hmm. the way. I went to East Carolina University and then went to Regent University for law school mm-hmm. and uh, came back to the area and practiced doing mostly criminal defense work in Danville and then later in Chatham. In 98, the former Commonwealth attorney, my old boss, David Grimes, hired me and I've been in the Commonwealth attorney's office ever since. Mm-hmm. When were you first elected as as the Commonwealth attorney? 2014. Okay. I had to run in a special election in 2014. Okay. Then I ran in 2015 and then in 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm due again in 2023. Okay, gotcha. I know generally you guys are in the courtroom. You guys are overseeing trials and, and all sorts of criminal cases. But tell us a little bit about what your department does on a day-to-day basis. What does the Commonwealth attorney do? Well, I have six uh, assistant Commonwealth attorneys who are all prosecutors that work under me and three administrative staff uh, personnel. Mm -hmm. We're either in court trying cases or we're out of court preparing for cases and helping officers uh, with their investigations. Uh, A typical day if you're in the office is officers will come over to talk about cases that are coming up next week, next Mm -hmm. month, or something that just happened and they want to talk to you about Hey, help me write a search warrant or where you think I need to go or what charges you think should be brought. Right. You mentioned that, you know, you're in the courtroom for trials and hearings and all sorts of things like that. But also, I mean, you mentioned search warrants. So you guys are sort of, I guess, overseeing that as well. We don't have to oversee it, but we make ourselves available to help officers write uh, search warrants because okay. we have to defend them in court if they get challenged. Mm-hmm. And so my, my philosophy uh, has always been if if you want to have a solid search warrant, then come see us and we'll help you write it and make sure that it, that it's uh, going to pass uh, muster when it comes to court. Right. No, that makes sense. A big theme of this podcast has been talking about kind of the impacts of COVID-19 and how that's put a dent on everything. Uh, but what does that look like for, for you guys as far as trying from everything from search warrants to trying cases to having hearings? How has that impacted you all? It shut us down entirely from court work for about two months. Mm -hmm. And of course, we had a backlog. We were shut down almost a year from being able to do jury trials because you didn't have the room to do it in the courtroom. And these cases tended to back up. Mm -hmm. We started jury trials at the start of the year. We've not been able to try as many as we would like, but we have gotten through a substantial number of them Mm -hmm. with the jurors. It's all new to us. The jurors don't sit in the witness box. The press sits in the the jury box now, and the jury is spread out in the courtroom. There's no gallery. We have a remote room, you know, for the public to watch. The jury is spread out within the entire gallery and they have to watch the cases we try it with our backs to the judge. It's, it's really weird. The Board of Supervisors have a day of meetings scheduled for Tuesday, May 18th. These meetings will be live streamed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. During the 4.30 work session, staff will provide updates on reassessment and efforts to improve our solid waste operations and services. The supervisors will also consider changes to our music festival and temporary camping ordinances. So the Commonwealth Attorney is basically the primary prosecutor for all crimes of all levels in a locality. So, you know, you're dealing with everything from burglaries and thefts and arsons to murders to speeding tickets. So obviously a lot of these are, you know, short and simpler cases, but some, like the case involving Mr. Sanchez Ochoa, are a lot more high profile and time consuming. And I remember covering that story when I was with the paper. You know, that happened almost a year ago, and I I remember how terrible it was having 
you know, I, I talked to the neighbors who who talked about their experience hearing the kids run outside screaming about their dad stabbing their mom. And, um, you know, that's that one's fresh in my head because I know he he decided to plead guilty last week. There are things like that that make the news, but then there are all kinds of other criminal cases that you guys are overseeing. So what goes in from your department? What goes into a typical case? What it, What is going on behind the scenes for you to get to a verdict? Mr. Ochoa decided to plead guilty, mm-hmm. and I'm glad he did because his 12-year-old stepdaughter would not have to go through testifying, watching mm-hmm. her mother get stabbed to death in front of her again. Right. It's probably easier to talk about two kinds of cases. You, mm-hmm. You'll have the run-of-the-mill assault and battery and, say, stealing case. Those usually come up on a warrant, and they're tried in the lower courts, and they don't take that much time to, to try. You can try six or seven of those in a day. Mm-hmm. So on an average daily basis, we may be trying six to 10 cases in lower court a day. Uh, and, and those are the officer makes an arrest or, or a citizen comes in and makes the complaint, and we get the report, we review it, we talk to the officers and the witnesses beforehand if we can. And it's done more or less on the fly because we don't have the time to prepare. We, we, we talk to witnesses, but it's very much like emergency room surgery trying, a uh, say, a speeding case or a uh, or a petit larceny fr- from a store. We don't have the ability to put in as much time on those cases right. because the more serious cases take up so much more of our time. Mm-hmm. So for a more serious case, uh, Ochoa, for example, and it was found guilty of first-degree murder mm-hmm. and also threatening the officer. So the day that happens, we get a call. We assist them writing a search warrant. We, we go into the scene and see it because there's nothing like seeing it in person as opposed to seeing it in photos. Right. And then we spend a lot of time talking to witnesses, going over things with them, looking at body-worn camera if you have it, which takes hours and mm-hmm. hours of time to do. Body-worn camera is is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. I have watched hours upon hours upon hours of body-worn camera, and I can tell you much of it is boring, but all of it, I'm pleased to say is very professional. Mm-hmm. The officers always act professionally. They always treat people courteously. I have watched officers go from having to, in Ochoa having to kick the door down to because the word is the woman may still be alive and they're rushing in to try to save right. her to having a man pointing a rifle at him as they kick the door down to having a gun a gun battle to rushing in subduing him without killing him and then immediately transitioning to trying to do uh, life saving CPR on the victim. If you have an hour's worth of video, it'll take you three to four hours to watch it and comprehend it. So we prepare for a preliminary hearing. We send it to the grand jury. We, we speak with experts in the case, DNA experts, medical examiner who does the autopsy, those kind of things. And, and then we pr- just prepare the case. And right. With every case, we have to take time to educate the defense attorney about the case mm-hmm. because we're ministers of justice. And so our role is to provide them with evidence. It's a discovery process where we make sure they have everything that we have. And then we come to court and uh, we fight. The Gretna Community Vaccination Clinic will cease operations after its last clinic on May 20th. Over 1,500 doses of vaccines were given at the clinic, including over 1,300 doses of the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Those who have not yet received a vaccine and want to receive one should look on vaccines.gov. And it was nearly a year ago when this event actually happened, but I know Mr. Ochoa pled guilty to first-degree murder just last week, like you said. And he did have a jury trial scheduled. So talk to me about the difference in handling jury trials versus a bench trial or a case like this one where someone ended up making a plea. Jury trials are, they they take up a lot of time on our docket. Mm -hmm. We can try four or five bench trials, you know, larcenies, burglaries, that kind of stuff in a day. A murder trial, 
is at least two mm-hmm. days. Uh, the Tiptons that we just tried, uh, Brianna and, and Shannon, we had tried them separately. That combined, they took up five days. Wow. For a felony murder, for allowing their either mother or grandmother, depending on their relation to her, uh, die in their care mm. from elder neglect. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible, terrible case. Took five days, a whole week of docket, ultimately to try it over two, right. over, spread out over two months. So I know I've heard you talk about this that there are lots of legislative changes coming. So talk to me about some of those upcoming changes that will impact the way that your office operates. The first major change that's going to impact us is the Virginia legislature last fall decided that the citizens of Virginia are no longer going to be entitled to recommend a punishment for jury trials. The way the way it has worked, maybe as far back as when Patrick Henry was our first governor, <laughs> was the jury not only decided guilt or innocence, but they would recommend the punishment within the range of punishment provided by the legislature. Right. So, for example, Mr. Ochoa, for the murder charge alone, was looking at 20 years minimum to life in prison. Mm-hmm. A jury, because this trial would have happened before July 1, uh, when the change takes effect, would have been able to recommend that punishment. Right. And Pennsylvania County juries tend to hit people pretty hard. And so we like to reserve jury trials that we get to ask for, for the the most violent of the violent. We have, uh, you know, child rapists, for example, we always like to have juries on those uh, because the juries, if they find the person guilty, they they light them up. After July 1, juries cannot recommend the punishment anymore. Now the change is the jury only gets to recommend punishment if the defendant thinks it, it, it's to his advantage. Hmm. The other change that's coming that's going to dramatically increase our workload is the new FOIA change. Uh, before July 1 of this year, you know, the newspaper or anybody else said, I want, I want to see your file on Teresa Lewis, which is an old homicide that became famous because she was only the third woman in Virginia ever to be executed. Mm-hmm. Horrible, horrible crime. Had her husband and stepson murdered for insurance money. She, oh, we have banker's boxes full of material on that case. Right. And every now and then somebody will say, send me that stuff. I want to look at it. And we get to write back and say, FOIA does not require us to give up criminal investigative files. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, the legislature decided that we need to give those up. There's a cost involved in that. We can charge a fee uh, based upon our hourly work rate and the copying, but there's no limit on who can demand the files or how many people can demand what file. Right. And we anticipate a large number of people demanding the files. The legislature's thought on that was, well, it's okay. It'll be a zero-sum game. It won't cost you any more money because you can bill for it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, who's going to do the work? If if you demand, for example, Teresa Lewis's file, it'll take me months of going through that file to pull out all the documents because we have to remove every mention of the victim's name. So right. I'm just going to make up a name, for example. If you have a body-worn camera interview that's an hour long on, in a murder case and they're talking to just a witness, how did you know Heather? How did, how did the defendant get along with Heather? Uh, did Heather talk to you about the defendant? I mean, every right. other question is going to use Heather's name as the victim, and mm-hmm. we have to edit every time that name shows up. You can't release the victim's image either. So mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of redaction. If we get flooded with requests, we're going to get bogged down and we're going to have trouble prosecuting and helping today's victims because we're having to go back and protect the victims of uh, of old cases have to have their identity protected. Mm-hmm. And in any case that's more than five years old, we're going to have to find a way to edit uh, VHS tape. You know, digital body-worn camera is only about five years old right. in the county. You can't just say, well, the victim's name is mentioned 100 times in an hour-long video, so I'm not going to release the video. The law says you edit out those 100 times mm-hmm. and give them what's left. 
Right. No, and I remember when I was with the paper, I would do Freedom of Information Act request. Information would be edited out. But, you know, that's for like paper documents. I'm imagining sure. someone going in, hit, hitting, you know, control or command F on their computer and knocking it all out or, or knocking out names. But yeah, when you're talking about editing hours and hours of video, that's, that's, that's a lot more intense. You know, in Ochoa, if I said we spent 100 hours combined on that case, I would say probably 70% of that was body-worn camera review and redacting and making sure we had it all straight. Mm-hmm. We'll have to go through that whole process again if somebody wants to demand that file down the road. Right. You know, the answer from some people in Richmond is, well, if you don't have enough time, then try fewer cases. And th- so I want to put the public service out that if this happens, let's commit fewer crimes to make it easier on us. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's an unrealistic approach. But, right. But we're going to muddle through it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I think we should put that PSA out no matter what. Commit less crimes. That's a good, it's a good PSA to put out there. And as I said, it, it's like emergency trauma room surgery in a, in a disaster event. We are fighting to be able to talk to all the witnesses and understand the case and go try it. And you're trying upwards of eight or nine cases a day. And those are the cases that are going to suffer the most if we have to pull back. But if mm-hmm. we get overwhelmed and I have to decide whether I'm going to I'm going to show up and take the time to prosecute the you know the guy who steals a pack of gum from the corner market, or I'm going to spend the time on a child rape, I'm going to have to choose a child rape every time. Right. We get bogged down with too much to do because of this FOIA change. Right. And, and I'll throw a plug out because the, when the the legislature, when when we went to them about body worn camera because it was killing us, they put in funding language which required the county to fund us for additional uh, attorneys to help mm-hmm. us with body worn camera load, and the county stepped up. They they took care of that, and so right now we're making do with the extra attorney that we have and the body worn camera that we're covering now. Right. Well, Brian, I mean, I think I think that's all the, the questions and, and things that I wanted to talk to you about today. I mean, is there anything else that, that you would want to add or think it's important that people know about what your office does? We handle everything from speeding to uh, capital murder. Uh, so the death penalty is no longer around. Marijuana is being legalized. It would be legal as of July 1, not to sell, uh, but to possess small amounts uh, less than an ounce. Right. It's not legal to run around and grow 100 plants and start your own shop to sell it. Yet. Right. We deal with the public all the time. People call us and say, hey, is this illegal? Or my neighbor's doing this. Is that illegal? We encourage the public to call mm-hmm. us. And to you know those who like to commit crimes, call us. We'll talk you out of it. <laughs> because if, if I can avoid you committing a crime and victimizing somebody, then that's one less victim and that's one less case we have to try. Right. Well, yeah, no, it definitely sounds like you guys have a lot on your plate trying to keep up with all kinds of yeah. changes. As as Brian said, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office is here here for the public. And if you have any questions, please, please give them a call. So, Brian, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.